Welcome to electionspeakers.com, a nonpartisan analysis of the speaking skills of major political candidates and others affecting your voting decisions. Here are your hosts for electionspeakers.com, Lori Schloff and Dr. Dennis Becker. Hello everyone, I'm Dr. Dennis Becker, and this is electionspeakers.com the place to hear unique critique of the speaking styles of candidates and others who are part of this presidential campaign. Today is September 8, the first Monday after the Republican National Convention, and just like last Monday was the first Monday after the Democratic National Convention, we have a lot to talk about today. So let me tell you who's going to be talking about it with us. On my right around the round table, co-host, author, professional speech coach, Lori Slough. Great to be here. Next to Lori, international coach and professional speech coach, Monica Murphy. Great to be here. Thanks, Dennis. Speaking of international, Dr. Debbie London is with us today, who just returned from London. She's been working in London with a client and has a very unique perspective uh, for us this week. Welcome, Debbie. Hi, Dennis. Happy to be here. Thank you. And uh, sitting right next to me is Laverne Cosby. Laverne Cosby is... <laughs> One of our favorite people. She's she's always so prepared and so soft-spoken, but boy, watch out. She's got her on the target every time. Welcome, Laverne. Thank you, Dennis. <laughs> well, Lori, uh, we have a lot to talk about today. Want to give us a little bit of a heads up? Absolutely. Uh, everybody, get ready. We're going to analyze the Republican National Convention. What did you think of the speakers in particular? What about Governor Sarah Palin? She is making a splash on the American scene. What do you want to say about her? And Dr. London, Dr. <laughs> Debbie London, may check in with us about the splash or lack of it that she's making in Europe. Deb Deborah just came back from London a couple of days ago. We'll also, of course, be talking about the other speakers. Who stood out to you as good or bad? Giuliani, Lieberman. Now tell us what you think about them. First, I'd like to ask my beloved colleague, Dr. Dennis Becker, to give us sort of a basic overview of the speakers in prime time for the Republican National Convention last week. Uh, speaking of prime time, guess who just joined us by phone from a remote site? Ethan Becker is with us. Ethan, welcome. Are you on the phone there with us? I am on the phone and uh, glad to be here. Glad Good. to be connected with the technology. We were concerned we couldn't get you this week. I'm glad you're with us. Thank you for coming in. Well, last week, uh, you know, the Republicans had a lot of speakers, some of whom we're just not going to talk about because, they, you know, they don't make a, an, a significant enough impact. But there's obviously Cindy McCain. Then, of course, we had Fred Thompson, the actor and former senator. Joe Lieberman. Could you believe people are calling mm. him Trader Joe? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Trader Joe. <laughs> Joe Lieberman to talk about that. And, of course, the keynote speaker, Rudy Giuliani. And you all remember what I said about the keynote speaker last week, mm -hmm. Mark Warner from, well, we got a different keynote speaker this week. He was in. We're going to talk about him. Obviously, uh, Sarah Palin and John McCain. So we've got a lot to talk about. So where do you want to start, Laurie? Well, let's start uh, from the top uh, in the sense of talking about the person who should at least be the most important person we're talking about, and that is John McCain, though he's been a little bit of a sleeper in terms of what people think of his style, and he himself doesn't think he's a great speaker. It'll be interesting to see how he does, uh, and I want everyone to keep watching how he does in one-on-one -on -one and more spontaneous interviews where he, quote-unquote, gets to be himself. But let's hear about his speech in front of many thousands of people. Uh, colleagues, what did you like about his speaking style? And if, if we were working with him, what would you keep working on? 
Monica right. Murphy. I'll jump in and start. You know, before he was even in this candidacy, I have always liked McCain. Something about him in his face, his as, as a very nice, personable way about him. However, what's so interesting is I've seen him in two different lights. When I think he's best when he's storytelling. He's best when he's recounting a story. Of course, we know when, 40 years ago, things had happened to him. He's less appealing to groups, I think, when he's using the teleprompter and giving his speeches because I think some of the emotion and the way he uses an inflection pattern is not as strong, it's not as natural feeling when he is doing the, using the teleprompter delivering a large talk as opposed to what he perceives as a more conversational or informal storytelling format. So I think we really have to watch carefully when we get to the debates, mm -hmm. because I think we saw very good contrast in the convention here, how different he was from the interview with Rick Warren, where he turned and looked emotionally mm -hmm. towards the group, versus using the teleprompters and addressing the group here now with, with, uh, with the way he used language. Thinking about the, uh, the way he tells his story, one thing I noticed about this particular speech this week at the convention, when he was telling the story about the same old story about being, you know, in the prisoner of war and so forth. He changes to a very ministerial tone and inflection pattern. Everything's, it's kind of like this. And then, this is what happened. Mm -hmm. After that, another thing happened. When I discovered that, lots of other things happened. You hear how that goes? Yeah, da -da 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 -da. softness, da -da -da. Dennis. It's, mm -hmm. it's not just softness, not it's just an inflection softness. pattern. Yeah. It goes da-da-da-da-da. Uh -huh. da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. da 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 We call mm -hmm. it a ministerial tone. Ministers do that when they're playing on the emotions of the congregation. Mm -hmm. So the storytelling for yep. me doesn't feel real. It really doesn't. And that's interesting. You know, actually, Martin. Um, excuse me. Debbie, go ahead. Martin Luther King was very well known for before he was about to pronounce something very big. He would do a voice drop or a, or in the opposite of a crescendo, a rising in tone. He would he would go down very much so. And the famous speech, give me liberty or give me death, was delivered in that same way. I'm not necessarily equating John McCain with them, Patrick Henry or Martin Luther King. I'm just saying that that's a, a rhetorical device that's yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. pretty purposeful. Well, Obama uses it as well. He goes down in inflection. Mm -hmm. Not the way McCain does, but he goes down. Laverne. Yeah, that's coming from the historically African-American churches. Uh, but I was surprised by McCain. He uh, did much better than I thought he was going to do. And like you talked about, he told stories. He drew from his, his experiences. And he had a great use of drawing upon his family members who had served um, in wars. So I thought that was very good as well. He also had uh, a sort of a chant going, but, you know, he could have used a little more work on that. He did things like, I don't work for, and he, he would say it two or three times, and mm -hmm. then he'd build it up, and then he'd get to the point. Mm -hmm. And he did that two or three times there. So, you know, good. Yeah. Great observations. I'm interested in my colleagues who know about these lar the large group reactions. How did he do with the pausing and the clapping? At times, I almost felt like the audience was controlling him. Any comments? Well, the speeches are written, you know, all of these speeches that we hear, I mean, Democrats and Republicans, they're all written by somebody else for the most part. Thanks, Dennis. And mm -hmm. these guys, <clears throat> you know, these guys, the speechwriters, they write things to be read rather than said. So when they write something to be said, they plan in applause lines. So they don't always get them where they want them. As a result, the speaker's out there sort of waiting, and there's a two or three second pause, and then, oh, 
yay! And it's very awkward. So a really only an accomplished speaker's, a speaker knows how to use the applause line, pause time, and I don't think McCain's very good at it yet. So, well, I, I can add one thought that would help. Sure, Ethan. Listeners who are wanted to follow up on that, you can actually count the words. Uh, for most of the speech, well, for McCain's speech, for Sarah's speech, the, uh, it, was a, it was a six count and a nine count of words. So you would hear a phrase that had five, six words in it, and then a, followed by a phrase that had about nine to ten words with it. And that was the entire thought, and then a new thought. So it felt, this is why in some cases it sounded very, very similar to the George Bush speeches where it was sort of small sound bite, small sound bite, small sound bite, which does play very well on television, contrasting it to Obama's speech, which was much more, uh, it was much more strung together of different thoughts, which is why it felt more substantive, substantive because it was. Well, George Bush has that sort of what we call talking in phrases style. Two or three or four words, mm -hmm. stop. Two or three mm -hmm. or four words, five words, stop. Came out clear here. But you know, I was going to say, uh, the most my, on my notes on my card here, the most improved speaker at this event for me? Who? <clears throat> Who, Ethan? Tom Ridge. I felt he broke out of, I'm not saying he was the best speaker at the event, most improved. He really changed his normal style. He had a lot more pathos for him. And I'm saying that because that's not an easy thing for anybody, politician, celebrity politician or not. Uh, he was really not in his normal uh, tone of voice and so forth. I thought he did a good job for that, for him. The cadence, the, the um, that's John McCain. Uh, it wasn't as powerful, of course, as Sarah's speech, and, and certainly as, on the Democratic side of the DNC, those speeches were all very, very powerful. But for him, most improved. So you were uh, very impressed by Tom Ridge, former director of national security, and so probably a few other himself. titles. Homeland security. Homeland, yeah. Yeah. right. Governor yeah. of Pennsylvania. Former governor, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think to that point, though, what I do think he was very improved, but to go back to the point about the chanting and the sentence structure, what, as Dennis, as you're saying, with the ministerial type of voice pattern where your voice goes up a little down, up a little down, yeah. that did not match the kind of delivery you needed to have to get the group chanting. And I think mm -hmm. if you notice, mm -hmm. his voice didn't get loud at the end yeah. until the end when he was saying, fight for me, ba ba ba, yeah. fight yeah. for ba ba ba. We yeah. couldn't even hear it because by then they broke into their chanting. But If we have time today, I, I want to give you an example of how and why that works for a speaker. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to use a speaker who in these conventions has done it extremely well. Mm -hmm. So if we have time a little bit later, we'll talk about that, how you build that enthusiasm and get your audience to do that for you. That's right. Dennis is going to teach us a bit about, about this kind of yeah. speech and how mm -hmm. it builds. Right. So yeah, let's do that in a couple of minutes. All right, uh, let's just take a few. Okay, can I have one quick observation with the group? I don't know if anybody else picked up on this. Yeah. They're doing that. Fight with me. Stand up with me. Fight with me. The cadence of it immediately brought me back to see if anybody picks up on the cue. Cash for the merchandise. Cash for the button. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's yeah, that? Yeah. That's from. Uh, yeah, no, for those who haven't get it, the reference. It yeah. immediately reminded me of that scene in the Music Man where the cadence. On the train. Oh. So reminded you of the Music Man and <laughs> the cadences they use. It's interesting, and 
I have to say, what everyone was saying Earlier. about McCain's phrases, this is Laurie, was reminding me of what people have said about George Bush's yep. phrases. Mm -hmm. Before we get to Sarah Palin and Dennis's sharing with us about this kind of political speech, let's hear about the other speakers. Yeah. Uh, we had Giuliani, we had Thompson, who was widely heralded as possibly he's going to be the best. Mm -hmm. So, Joe Lieberman, what would you think of him? So, just some quick thoughts about, about them before we get to the most talked about speaker by far Governor Sarah Palin of Alaska. Thompson's an actor. I expected him to be good. <laughs> yeah. He made the best yeah, rendition of what happened to this, I mean, the story of what happened to McCain. He used the best words. He described it the best, I thought, out of everybody. He was great. There was one thing that concerned me. He had that... <coughs> clearing yeah. his throat all the time. Yeah. He had the a lot. whole way through. Uh, yes, about. Laverne, I observed that too. The other thing about Fred Thompson I didn't care for Let's say in contrast to, to Governor Sarah Palin, I didn't like looking at him. He looked <laughs> droll. He looked tired. He did look he tired. He didn't look into it yeah, above yeah, the neck. Yeah, Folks, yeah. speaking is an above the neck activity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You've got to look into he it. Before better. he pulled out as a candidate himself, that was one of the mm -hmm. criticisms of him, was how, how his eyes looked very heavy and tired and, and that that could have really hurt him, though, but that had a lot to do with it. Yes, All right, so the conversation him. about Thompson's heavy and tired. Let's get off of him. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so, yeah, exactly, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. Joe Lieberman, yeah. he was next. Mm -hmm. Platitude, same old Washington. More of the same. Oh, more of the same. I mean, they all are getting to be like this. Yeah. Now, maybe we're watching too much of this stuff, but I didn't find his inflection pattern to be very exciting at all. Uh, I found him uh, to get, he got stuck with the applause lines. I didn't think he used those very well. He, you know, one thing he did, I thought, better than almost anybody. He talked to the center camera and used the center teleprompter better than anybody who, who I've seen so far. He really has got that down. You can tell he's experienced at it. Overall, you know, I'm not too crazy about him as a speaker. Doesn't excite me. Never did. Too much in platitudes and uh, uh, too much talk about fear. I just don't like the word fear. He's creating fear. I don't like that either. Mm -hmm. But and would they introduce Lemmy? Oh, yeah, Lemmy, 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 can't you wanna, gonna? Yeah, that very slangy sort of assimilation we call that. Laverne, that was good catching of details. Lemmy, like it's spelled L-E-M-M-E -M -M -E, as opposed to let me. Correct. Right. So a lot of folks are not watching their articulation. Monica, thought? I was just going to say, one of the other things non-verbally about Joe Lieberman is he does have limited mouth mobility, as you've said, of his top lip. Everything he does is carried with the bottom lip down. So when he speaks, he has to do so much more work with the bottom part of his face, and only when he smiles does everything in his face change. His eyes light up, his forehead. When he's not smiling, he's pretty droll to listen to, as you say, with the long sentences. So for him, he really needs to focus on that facial expression. Excellent, Monica. Thanks so much. Any quick comments on uh, former Governor Rudy Giuliani? Quick comments. Are you kidding me? Uh, I can't this be quick. This guy was the keynote speaker, okay? He, now this is what a keynote speaker should be like. Not like that Mark Warner guy we had last week. This guy, Giuliani, really ripped it up. He had a lot of good stuff going for him. Now, uh, uh, he had direct and indirect comments about Obama. Now, you, you know what bothers me about him? This is just a slight aside. He's got this L problem. Have you ever noticed that? lateral L that list. He, yeah. He's got a lateral L thing he, that he has a difficulty pronouncing. Yeah, he, he's had a long, he has a... Mm -hmm. As I'm not it's a able speech to problem in a lateral list. <laughs> my, my problem is I just flew in last night, mm -hmm. so that's my excuse. He, <laughs> he does have a, a, a lisp, and he's 
been challenged by that his whole career. Yeah. And he's tur- he yeah. has said himself that he's turned it around to make it work for him. Really? And I think he's probably right. Yeah, it was a, it was a whole talk show with him just talking about his lisp. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Other than so he that, and Barbara Walters have yeah. something in common. Oh, right. They've so accepted it, themselves. That's right. right. Yeah. That's right. So yeah. some kind of a, I hate uh-huh. to even call it an impediment, but some, yeah. some sort of a speech difference. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Folks can do extremely well despite sure. those things. It's you true. shouldn't be afraid right. of it. Here's a guy who laughed a lot. He enjoyed mm-hmm. what he was talking he about. He got into it. He led the audience in things like, drill, baby, drill. That was a big thing with him. I was concerned about the whole Islamic terrorism thing that he brought in. I didn't like the language there. It was a very inflammatory language, I thought. Uh, but, of course, the one thing that everybody's talking about from, from Giuliani is the very snide, sarcastic remark he made about community organizers. Mm. That got carried on. Mm. Sarah Palin picked it up. And I thought that did not help him as a speaker. It did not help his credibility, I don't think. It may have in that room with some really hardcore followers of his, but the whole concept of community organizers just didn't cut it with me. I didn't like what he said. That I didn't like that language at all. Now, uh, just one final comment about him. He, would, he had a very nice technique. You know, talking about getting the audiences to respond. Here's a guy who knows how to ask a question. Mm-hmm. Now, when, when you ask a question, when a speaker asks a question, what does the listener do? Do you want me to answer the question? Or are you going to answer it? Is it a rhetorical <laughs> question or is it what we call an active answer question? If speakers are not aware of the difference, it confuses listeners. Mm-hmm. So Giuliani is very good at knowing the difference. So when he asks a question that he uses, he wants to be used as a rhetorical question, he immediately asks it and immediately answers it. Therefore, the listeners don't get confused right. wondering, what what should I do? He was excellent at that, one of the best of all. Yep. So you're saying a rhetorical question is a question you don't really have to answer as, a, as an audience a member. A rhetorical question is a question that the speaker asks in order to get the listeners thinking about it, but the speaker answers the question. Not the listeners. Correct. Mm-hmm. Active answer question, the speaker asks and actively wants listeners to respond. And he's actually very good at both of them. I think that the crowd, though, is not trained in how to answer some of those questions. What we saw, and I know we're going to move to talking about the tone, but what we saw was that these listeners didn't know how to answer the question. They almost didn't know how to get themselves all rifled up if they didn't have it built there for them. And I think we saw that in some of the speakers leading up to Giuliani. We definitely saw that in the speakers leading up to him. And unfortunately, I think McCain asked some questions that he didn't rhetorically answer. And listeners didn't get it until the end when he made more statements versus questions. (laughs) Then he got it. So I think you're you're very right. To use the rhetorical strategy and answer the question still builds the momentum. But to leave the crowd hanging, and especially this kind of a crowd, a very conservative crowd, business people... Not the right crowd to try to motivate in that way. And it only takes a second or two to, to lose the That's route. That's right. He, he, he was pretty good at it. But the other speakers leading up to it, nobody did it like he mm-hmm. did. All righty. Maybe now's a good time. I think now we're also sort of learning a lot through these conventions. We're learning just now about rhetorical questions, questions that the speaker answers. Uh, there's so much to learn about a well-crafted or not so well-crafted speech. And Dr. Dennis Becker, you said you had um, some thoughts to share about one of the speeches I think that you particularly liked, true? Yes, as I listened to both of the conventions, you know, and all of the speakers, there was really one guy for all of the speakers for all of the two conventions that we've, we've been covering. There's really one guy to me who stands out. I, I don't know whether he's the best speaker of all, but I thought he did the best job of getting the audience involved. Uh, and I, I thought the way he delivered the speech was very effective, and that was uh, Governor Brian Schweitzer, the governor of Montana. 
Now, what I want to point out is how mm. he did that. And I, we've made some recordings of things that he did, and I want okay. to play these for great, you. Great, great. Now, this has to do with the way a listener, or what, the way a speaker, rather, controls and builds listeners to the point where he, you get them on their feet. If you remember at the end of his presentation, they were on their feet. They were on the chairs. This guy really had them going better than anybody in the two conventions. He had a theme in his speech. In all speeches, we hope good speeches have a theme, the one thing you want people to remember if they forget everything else. His theme was the words, four more years. Now, I want to play for you examples of how he built that theme from the beginning of his speech to the end of his speech. And watch what happens here. Now, let's see if we can get the exact uh, uh, words from him. You ready? Yeah, let's go, right. yeah. Here we go. This is the first time he used it, which was approximately four minutes into the presentation. Okay, so you heard how slowly it was. Yes. Very clear. That's about four minutes into the presentation. Four mm -hmm. more years, okay? Yep. Now, that's that rhythm. He said a rhythm. The vowels, yeah. All right? The second time he used it was approximately uh, nine minutes in. Now, listen to this. Okay, again, pretty much the same. Yes. He's teaching them now. Now we jump ahead. He gets to about 12 minutes into the presentation, and listen to what happens. So let me ask you something. Can't America do better than four more years of Washington as usual? Is it time for a change? All right, now you notice the four more years, he added something to it that time. He gave it to them and he asked them a question about it. And he got a response, sort of a response. It was sort of okay, he got two-thirds of the group into it. That's the first time he asked them a question, but he used that same pattern, four more years. Question, time for a question, okay? Watch what happens as it moves along. Same concept of using the theme and getting them involved. Now listen, this is about 13 minutes and only a minute later. In the cheap seat, stand up. Yeah. Now, what happens here? Now he's got them. He went from four minutes to eight to 12. Now it's 13 minutes. He's not just asking, he's telling them what to do. But because he got them involved slowly, now they are willing to do what he tells them to do. And of course, that audience is very receptive. They do that at any convention. But now what happens at the very end? He's got them. He, he had talked to them about stand up, stand up. And he kept that theme of four more years to the very end of the speech. Now, this is the last thing that he did at the end of the speech. Now, watch the response, the difference in the response that he gets from the audience here from the, from the first time that he had asked the question about four more years and do you want to change? Watch the change in, in the audience response. We wanted to hear you from Denver to Detroit, from Montana to Mississippi. Okay, see how he's got them involved? Mm -hmm. They're a lot more involved. Fascinating. You get, uh, uh, within another minute, here so he goes. So let's hear it now. Can we afford four more years of the same? Hear the difference? 
Is it time for change now? Yeah. The difference? Are we going to declare our energy independence the and change what? the world? Who's in unison the next shirt. president of the United States? persuasive speech because he yeah. built yeah. up to he it. He it told them what he wanted and yep. without saying that in so many words and he got it out of them. And it was interesting to watch that speech too because at the beginning of the speech when he first started saying four more years they were taking shots around the audience uh, half of them were paying attention you know he was an interesting guy frumpy, a little bit excitable to look at and so forth but by the time he got to the end of that speech which was only 15 minutes and 15 seconds by the time he got to the 14th minute everybody was on their feet all the Clintons, everybody. It's okay. a great so the, technique. So uh, that was um, an excellent analysis from Dr. Dennis Becker about as we wrap up both of these conventions and move on in the next two months to electing the next president of the United States, that is an example of one speech from Governor Brian Schweitzer of Montana that really stood out. Mm -hmm. Okay, everybody, are you ready? Let's talk about her. And you all know who I mean. She is the top topic of conversation, not only in America, but in the world. And two weeks ago, she was an unknown. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about Governor Sarah Palin as a communicator, not about her politics. Um, may I hear from some of you? I thought she did an excellent job. She was poised. She had an excellent command of the teleprompter, for example. Her rate and pace was good. She looked people directly in that front camera so you could tell her passion for what she was saying and uh, she answered a lot of questions that people were asking about her and her family. A lot of great things. Monica? I'll, I'll jump in on that as well. Sure. Where did they find Sarah Palin? What an effective... Alaska, of course. You have to go to Alaska. What an effective move to have a speaker like that come in and balance out the ticket. She really came out of nowhere, her level of energy. She, she does a lot of things that McCain doesn't do. Her level of vocal variety, the way she can really um, change the, and the modulate the pitch of her voice, almost became a little bit repetitive after a while, but, but a very inviting tone, the way she used facial expression, the way she would just crinkle her nose when she would say certain things was very enticing, and it made her come across, I think, as very confident, very in control, very competent. She's also a very articulate speaker and I be uh, and she meaning, puts on her word endings. She puts on her word endings and she speaks in what we call a general American dialect. She doesn't have a strong southern accent or a strong northern accent. A little bit of you can tell where she's from, but for the most part, I think she had a general enough sound to not be pigeonholed to being from one part of the country or another. Yeah, I'd like to do an imitation if I might. Egg me on, colleagues. And I want you to notice her pausing, mm -hmm. her phrasing, and how she gets it as we coaches, because I've been um, talking to a lot of coaches around the country, call pitch perfect. Mm -hmm. Again, not about her politics. Listen to these two beautiful, beautiful slamming quotes. I guess, I guess there's similarities between a community organizer and a governor. It's just that a governor actually does something. Mm -hmm. And of course, her most famous one, 
What's the difference between a hockey mom and a pit bull? And she pointed to her lips. Lipstick. Round of applause. Mm -hmm. Was that an ad lib? Yeah, yeah. Good, was, good, that, good. was that an ad lib line? You got a copy of the speech, actually. Did she add that in the speech? She did not have it in the speech. The teleprompter right? broke. She added it. We heard there was teleprompter was malfunction. Right. I don't know. That was picked up uh, on, the, on the front page of a British newspaper that I have with me. Sarah Palin, the self-styled pit bull with lipstick of American politics. Right. Right. <laughs> so point being, I was having fun with the demonstration because we coaches love imitating how people speak. Right, right. I want you to tune into for a person who was practicing for three days it worked she was in a she was in a room alone with people coaching her practicing with her no. writing her speeches for preparing this, for her this dressing her for this for arena, this arena. But, so that's we will, very very important I think we will look forward to Sarah Palin unplugged dates. how are you different what do you mean this arena? well I think she has been coached Many, many times she has a pageant background as part of her background, and they are very carefully coached for presentation, for engaging an audience, and she is obviously very charming and engaging. So I find that very interesting. What I also found interesting this week, because I didn't hear a lot of the, the speeches themselves, but I was bombarded with images of Sarah Palin all week in London, England, because all of the UK is talking about this election here which I found fascinating. What was the perception you were getting, good or bad reception towards her? Uh, they're definitely treating her like um, someone who is ripe for their, their tabloids. Mm -hmm. They're ready to just uh -oh. come after uh -huh. with, you know, a, a Barack Obama obviously didn't hold enough you know, novelty for them, so they move on to, not mm -hmm. because she's a woman so much, but I think it's the glamour that she brings, the antithesis that, that Monica mentioned to her, the, the presidential candidate, John McCain. She absolutely is the antithesis of him in so many ways. And one of the pictures on the front, uh, I don't know if it was the front page, but it was in the London Times, and it was a picture of Sarah Palin having a discussion with John McCain and his wife and Steve Smith, the ca uh, campaign manager, and she was holding her baby mm. in her arms, feeding him. And she was in lounging clothes, you know, a large hockey jersey. And I thought, wow, can you imagine if, if that was, would they do that if that was a, a man? What would that be taken as? But she's Joe Biden really being perceived well. Yeah, I, the image is very different, but they're definitely interested. Quickly, any negatives about Governor Sarah Palin? Can I chime in for a second? You guys hear me? I don't yes. Know. Okay. And the last week's show, we talked about one of the things I wanted to see. I really wanted to see at the RNC was passion, pathos. The first time we saw Sarah Palin, there wasn't a whole lot of it. Clearly, it really came out here, and I think she she did a strong job. So did uh, some of the other speakers, and it was nice to see that level of emotion uh, on her speech specifically. Uh, it, from my take, it should have ended at about 30 minutes in. I think she had a very strong, positive, articulate impression. And if, if you look at how the women developed over the course of the week, for instance, some of the, the celebrity women, you saw Laura Bush speak and uh, Cindy McCain, when she spoke, there were very, very strong differences in the style. The other, the other two women were very, very laid back, quiet, uh, uh, not, not as expressive. Sarah comes out exploding, and I think they probably did coach her. She took well to it, and she did a good job. The last 10 minutes for me was a distraction because it sort of went from this really good feeling to insult after insult, and it was this, it suddenly turned into like this sarcastic sort of nasty attack, which 
which I would think strategically just plays right into what the competition is saying of more of the same. Here's exactly the same tactic that we saw with the Bush campaign. Uh, and that was a turnoff for me. But if it ended about 10 minutes earlier, that hmm. would have been much more powerful, in my opinion. Speeches, sarcasm, there's going to be a ton more to talk about, especially as we approach the debates. Dennis, yeah, want to the cue debates. them up a bit for yeah, us? Yeah, we are going to get into debates. Remember, they're coming up, folks. The very first one is going to be on September 26th, and we'll have a lot to say before and obviously after that debate. We'll talk more about the debates next week when we're back with you. Uh, and uh, Dr. Deborah London, who's with us, of course, will be with us then, who is a deb debate expert, former debater and debate judge, who is very confident and competent in talking about it, will be with us. What kind of things, thinking about the debates, uh, Debbie, what kind of things should we be thinking about even before the debates occur? I would be paying very close attention to how well they actually answer the question, how long they, they their nonverbals will be very important in how they answer that question content-wise. I know we're not talking about content, but how they handle themselves, how, how much they think on their feet, or how much their responses are articulate in the face of not being prompted ahead of time if these are actually true debates. Yeah, well, we all know that they're not really debates, and we're going to find out the difference when we get that far. So we have a lot to be thinking about between now and then. I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more, I understand, this coming week. We will see the first one-on-one -on -one debate, a uh, debate uh, interview with Sarah Palin. She's going to be on ABC this week. I don't know exactly who's going to do the interview. Charlie Gibson. We'll, it's Charlie Gibson. We'll be talking about that next week when we come back with you, and uh, we'll find out whether or not community organizers is still a big issue, and the sarcasm is still a big issue, and whether or not uh, Sarah has learned to say Iran instead of Iran and oh. Iraq. Did you hear that? Did you hear that, Debbie? I did not. Oh, yeah, it's still Iraq oh. and Iran, like the Italians and yeah. the, who live in Italy. Let's learn to say the name of the country. All right, we got a lot more to talk about this week, and uh, it's been a delight this week. Today has been a great show. Thank you very much, Lori, for co-hosting this with us. Yes, Ethan, the Thanks, last everybody. word. Go ahead, Ethan. Go ahead. You're on the line. Quick note that uh, we're going to put into the show notes. There is a link to the official website for the debates. So if anybody's looking for it, like the dates, the times, put in your calendars, or mm -hmm. the formal instructions. We're going to add a link in the, to the show notes on the webpage on uh, how to find that. You can, if you're listening to this on iTunes, you can go to speechimprovement.com to find the show notes for this uh, audio cast. And remember, if you have a comment for us here at the show, we always like hearing from you. It's very simple. Address it to comments at electionspeakers.com. That's comments at electionspeakers.com. We love to hear from you. And uh, it, it excites us when we hear from you. So don't, whatever you have to say, it's perfectly okay. Uh, we'll be back next week. So listen, we hope you have a great week and that you're listening to all the speeches. It's a very unusual week. No conventions, so you get to bed a little bit earlier, but we have lots to talk about. We still have lots of folks talking this week that we'll be talking about next week. So thanks for being with us once again. This is Dr. Dennis Becker saying thanks for listening and bye for now. You've been listening to electionspeakers.com a nonpartisan analysis of the speaking skills of major political candidates and others included in the 2008 U.S. presidential elections. Electionspeakers.com is posted every Monday.